You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. feel like it's been a a wild year it's actually it. like an epic day for us to have a conversation bro in a lot of ways because um the elections are today and i didn't even know yeah. i had no fucking <laughs> idea so i see these podcasts like my idea for how i see these podcasts is like it's like a postcard from me in the past to me in the future like i can always go back to this moment and i can be like oh, that's that motherfucker, like, from fucking November 4th, 2020. Because that dude is fucking mm. different than the dude 15 years ago or 14 or 16 years ago. Yeah, fuck it. Mm. The four years, right? Like, the election years, which I had no fucking clue about. I grew up in Brooklyn, bro. We didn't have elections. I didn't know anybody that was a Democrat or a Republican. That shit is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, bro we're just all poor you know we don't give a fuck about no politics we got we got poor like uh immigrants from europe we got poor black dudes we got poor puerto rican poor chinese dude we're just poor and we're just trying to fucking figure it out there's no fucking politics now i get older i move into these other places motherfuckers got politics everywhere it's just crazy. I don't know nothing about Paul. I didn't even know today was the elections, bro. I'm walking around. All these people are fucking strolling and shit. I'm like, damn, it feels tense out here. And then, and then uh, my Instagram was like, today's election day. I was like, might as well be fucking Halloween, bro. 
<laughs> Yo, that's funny, bro. I love the view on the podcast. I think that's real. You know, from you here to you in the future, being disconnected, there's a truth to that. So, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that truth. You know, I disconnect for probably six hours, you know, when I sleep. And that's about it. Uh, because I'm just so, I'm so driven and I'm so fearful of failing that I just, I, I am just wildly obsessed about winning. I'm just wildly obsessed about it, which definitely just comes from a fear of failure. And I'm fully aware of that, but I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that truth for sure. For all life's. So, so tell me, bro, you says, you said like, things are, things are crazy right now. Uh, like yeah. what's going on? Like what? Yeah. So launching a book this month, uh, the 12 things they wanted to teach you in high school, but couldn't, it's a personal development book for educators. You know, after 15 years in education, uh, I say around year 10, I started losing, uh, my voice. I started losing my voice in education and the purpose of why I I ever went into it was to be impactful. And when administration changed, I knew at some point I would have to veer out. And that's where our, that's where our path started to cl- started to cross. And I had that crazy, and I still do, I'm a health fanatic and, and I still have a group of girls and guys that I train with and I needed to have those two worlds collide so I can live my best truth. And, and now it's to the space where I can. So I launched a, uh, educational consulting firm where we're going into schools and speaking to universities about how to teach educators how to be more self-aware, empathetic, and curious. Because I believe, not just that I believe, but the science of back it, that educators that have the ability to be impactful or form connections with their students are the ones that can really influence their lives and change the course of their lives. And all of the issues and challenges that I went through on a very low scale, but nonetheless challenges, comparatively on a low scale, were all derailed because of an educator. You know, at some point, every racist was somebody's teacher. At some point, every bigot was somebody's teacher. At some point, every hater was somebody's teacher. And when we have the ability to, to impact our educators, we, we can change the universe. So that's my mission. And on top of that, having four kids and a wife and merging these worlds, it's been a transition. It's a transition for everybody. So it, it's, it's, it's a full steam ahead effort. Uh, and, and I'm sticking with my routine, my, my training routine. So it's not as though I gave up my desire to be physical and work out and having four kids and they're all going in different directions. My wife and I, are, Kelly and I are managing that. It's, it's an all hands on deck, you know, constant juggle. And I'd say spinning plates all at the same time while biz- while building a while building a mission while building a business that speaks to my mission. I love it. You know that speaks to me a lot because I remember when I was in uh in high school, probably in my class, uh, like one of my teachers said, I'm most likely to end up in prison or dead in mm-hmm. my class, and uh, that shit fucking rings out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that shit like sticks and. But I, I have like a real fuck you personality. Like um, <laughs> there, there's this uh, per- personality test that's used for, I don't know, maybe from the beginning of time. It's called the Enneagram. And it talks about human beings mm. being nine archetypes. And I fall into the eighth archetype. And the eighth archetype has a primal need to go against something. Mm. 
sense. Like, that's why I, like, honestly, like, that's why I, like, I look to real, like, I've been going against something my whole life. Like, I, like, I needed that thing. Like, when I heard, like, I'm most likely to end up dead or in jail, um, it didn't resonate at first because I, I actually took it with pride because that was really the direction I was going. I was like, oh, that's that's what I'm going for. And um, but then like when the shift happened, I was like, fuck you, bitch. And I showed up to school and I was in my second year of pre-med with a 3.9 GPA. And uh, she was like, holy shit, I thought you were dead. Cause like I, I dropped out of school when I was 14. You know, so like, but it's, yeah, for sure. It's a teacher, teacher, mentor, um, role model, like somebody who crosses our motherfucking path. That's like, you know what, Robert, I fucking believe in you, man. Like you can do this shit. Like, like there's people that have done this before, bro. And like, you can do it too. And like, what, what if he told you, what if he told you there was no failure? What if he told you that, you know, because like, I come from a sports background too. Um, a little different, right? Because it's like it's combat and single, but still mm-hmm. sports. Like nobody wants to fucking lose. But the reality mm-hmm. was, like, when I was competing, I started to realize I learned my greatest lessons on my losses. Yes. Um, because that's when I realized, like, I'm not, I'm not shit, and I, and I'm amazing, and I'm not anything. <laughs> like it's just, it is what it is, you know. Fuck that. Fuck losses, man. Mm. <laughs> so it's 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 my i'd say it took a few years to combine both of, to i'd say have those two worlds and i do use the word collide because everything that has shaped my reality has come from my family and it's come from the people that my family gave me the opportunity to be around, including our educators. And I grew up in a beautiful town. I grew up in a beautiful area and I had incredible experiences. And at the same time, and I've had opportunities to travel the world and the country because of that. And at the same time, I didn't get a free pass. You know, I didn't get a free pass from, you know, being Robbie from Yorktown in Westchester County because you know, when I came out of that, I was just a black guy that nobody gave anything about. And that reality was real. And I, you know, and I have stories to tell because of it. And when I reflect back on all of those things, the only difference between me and some of my friends that didn't make it, it is grace. And I'd also say that I just happen to be in a little bit better situation because maybe that person just had somebody kind of touch them. You know, whether it was an educator or a coach that was able to that was able to move me out of the way and and I avoided a lot of issues because of it. So when we walk in to our educational system and it's a broken system, Rome, it's our educational system is a broken, broken system. But the people inside of it are broke, but they aren't broken. You know, their hearts are broke, but they are but their hearts aren't broken. So when we have a chance to speak to the hearts of our educators and speak to their needs, as you just described, and we have four essential human needs, I can go into them if you like. Yeah, go and, for it, bro. And, and, and when we speak to those needs, we can empower our educators to be everything that they're supposed to be. So they can teach and inspire our kids to be everything that they're supposed to be. Uh, and And people don't, 
do the things that they got to do because you hear that a lot of times. I'm just doing what I got to do. And oftentimes it's because you didn't do the things you were supposed to do. And, and when we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, we can turn around and say, well, I just didn't know. And in part, that's true. And when we speak to people's needs and, and, and we recognize what they are, now you don't have to do the thing you got to do. And now you know what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to be. And that's the gap and that's the mission and, and it's, and it's achievable uh, and it's measurable. So I can go into those needs if you like. It's totally oh, yeah, up to for you. sure. Let's, let's dive in. So I, I went into personal development when I was 12 years old. I, I would say 12. Yeah. Around 12 years old when I lost, I, I lost and I lost miserably. It was the first year playing football and my dad, um, love football. And we had this team, it was stacked athletically. Some of my closest friends that went on to play division one lacrosse, captain their lacrosse teams and the, the most talented athletes. And not only did we not win a game in football, we didn't even get a first down. And I was so broken over that season. My heart was broken. Truthfully, I said, I will never let this happen again. And I, and I started training and I started training obsessively. And what I realized is that my ability to train is only part of it because not everybody wants to run hills with Rob at 11 o'clock at night when it's snowing sideways in the middle of January on the East coast. I have to connect with my friends and I have to connect with my teammates on a different way. And I, I just started becoming additionally obsessed about personal development and, and reading and absorbing at that point, it was VHS and listening to the greatest coaches from John Wooden and um, Bill Jackson and, and listening to them talk and listen to their groove and listen to how dominant they were, you know, even down the red Arbach, Arbach, uh, it was um, the Boston Celtics and just absorbing all of their stuff and then listening to athletes and what they, and what they do. And then, and then Tony Robbins and then, and then Les Brown and then Wayne Dyer, Zig Ziglar and absorbing all of these information from the time that I was 12 all the way up until now, uh, I was taught, you know, I'd say by one of the greatest personal development speakers is uh, Tony Robbins. And, and he talked about the needs and I've been applying them ever since I heard and really speaking and, and, and teaching people how to apply and identify their needs. So we all have four, all four of these needs. And I've been able to apply them to the teams I've coached, the players I train and, and it, it's helped us tremendous it, it, it's it's not just tremendously it has changed the course of our lives once we understand what they are and how we apply them then we and the first need that we all have is a need for certainty we want to know that when we walk into the room that the roof isn't going to fall we want to know that as we're moving through the day that we won't be shot or killed and we're all going to go through our we're all going to fulfill that need of certainty in a positive negative or neutral way um, a negative way of, of, of being certain would be to act out if we're talking about an educational context where if I fall off the chair, I know the teacher is going to act a certain way. If, if, if I slouch in my seat and I put the hood in my hair, I'm hood on my head, you know, I'm probably going to get maybe some negative attention. I'm going to be certain. Or if I don't show up to class, then we have a second need and it's a need for uncertainty because if we know what we're going to get, when we're going to get it all the time when we get it you know we're probably going to be bored out of our mind 
And that need for uncertainty can be found from people that love to travel. And you hear that from them. And that need for uncertainty can be met by traveling. That's a great way. And also a need, a, a burning desire for uncertainty can be met in leadership where we know that we might have a kid that might look a little bit wild. Really what he needs is he just needs a change of pace. And in business, walking into the same building, doing the same thing day after day after day, brings that level of certainty to people which they desire, but also that person on your staff that might need that level of uncertainty, that might be the person that you want to make sure it gets on the plane. That might be the person that you want to change course and, and make sure that they're out and about and they're changing up their routine and they're, you're going to get more out of them because of it. And then we have a third human need, which is a need for love and connection. And, you know, love is, love is what we aspire to, but connection is unfortunately what a lot of people settle for. So instead of falling in love and staying in love, you know, some people, you know, they'll settle on getting a dog or they'll settle on getting, you know, getting a pet because love is too scary and connection is what they settle for. Or staying in a broken relationship that isn't really filling their heart, but they feel connected, but the love is gone. But we all have that love. Um, for, we all have that deep desire and that need to feel love. And then we have a fourth need. And that's a need for significance, that the things that I'm doing matter, that the things that I'm doing are impactful, that I'm changing the course of you know, my life or somebody else's. Now, the course of our life is going to be dictated by what needs we put at the top or at the bottom. Because if you have, if your need, if your need is significance and that's your number one need and you live in the hood, you might not be able to get significance any other way than holding a gun up to somebody's face. Because if I hold a gun up to your face, I'm automatically significant. You're going to pay attention to me. You know who I am. That's why violence is always going to be here because until we figure out how to fill people's needs, they're going to fill it any, any other way. Because again, we're going to get it in a positive, negative, or neutral way versus teaching somebody how to feel significant by identifying, hey, you know what? you know what, Rome, I know that you can do something a little bit more than what you are. And this is what I'm envisioning for your life. And you speak that into people's lives. And then they have ability to say, you know what, maybe I can get out of here. Maybe I can change the course of my life. Maybe I don't need to be. So if, and if your need is for love and connection, I know that your life is going to be completely different. You may go into a life of service. You may following a nursing path because you, you just have that deep, passion for love. So based on what we based on what we prioritize as far as our one, two, three, or four needs, that's going to dictate the course of our life. And the faster we can identify the needs of people, specifically in leadership and in education, we can inspire, challenge, and teach them how to create a life that fills their needs. And that's how we can ultimately change the way that we're living our lives and interacting with each other. It's rough. It's rough, like growing up and, you know, the only, there, there's only a few ways to get out. You know, it's like, yeah, you, either, you hustle, you rob, you scam, you play ball or you smart or you're smart. But like, I, at least those are the models that we're given. But the reality is like, it's changing so fast. So I have a perspective too, if you're interested in hearing it on education. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I believe it needs to be torn down from the top and from the inside <laughs> as well. I, I, I truly, honestly believe that, bro. I swear. I believe that. I mean, these are just beliefs that I have right now that could fucking change tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And like, uh, the reality for me is like, school fucking sucked. 
I fucking hated school. <laughs> I, I did college for seven years. Um, I I I might have met one inspired, uh, lightly inspired teacher or two lightly inspired teachers in my whole career. Which, come on, like th- what are the fucking odds? Like I lived in New York City, like one of the greatest cities on the planet, where people fucking flock to supposedly because there's so much opportunity, and I'm learning from people that I wouldn't leave my kids with right now. But we leave our kids with these fucking people, with these institutions that have these fucking belief systems that they're cramming down the throats of our children. And we don't align with that. People are like, are you a Democrat or Republican? I don't align with either one. How about that? Like, I really don't. And like both and either one is going to be feeding the shit down the fucking drain. And I believe that the only model that truly works is like, yeah, okay, I understand. Kids need to learn how to fucking read. Kids need to learn how to do math. Kids also need to learn how to do art. Kids also need to learn how to move their fucking bodies. And not just for a sport, but just to fucking move to enjoy this fucking blessing that God gave us. Look at this fucking thing. It can fuck. It can feed. It can fight. It can it can throw balls if it needs to. It can do all these things. It can hunt. It can gather. It can explore and like we're not taught any of that shit we're literally put in fucking cages i was in new york city and i was driving by they have a 20 25 foot fucking cage fence outside of my fucking school that shit looks like a fucking prison that's a prison yard i used to visit my buddies in prison they might have had smaller fences than we did (laughs) you know what i'm saying and we got armed guards making sure that people don't get in or out what the fuck is going on this is how we treat our children we're preparing them for prison literally they get up when we fucking tell them to get up they sit down when we tell them to sit down they eat when we tell them to eat they learn stuff that's not really true we're finding that out every fucking day from black history to white history to yellow history none of it is fucking true it's just an interpretation of whatever the fuck they want us to fucking learn and now they have them doing like common core math what the fuck are you talking about? Teach them how to count money. Teach them how to run a business. Teach them how to do their fucking taxes. Teach them how to have have interactions with people. Teach them how to set something up on the internet where people, teach them how to be a journalist. Teach them how to tell truth. Teach them how to fight. Teach them when to fight. Teach them when not to fight. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to fuck. Don't give them that stupid ass fucking sex education that we were getting as kids that wasn't even fucking true. Or youth dares telling us that fucking weed is going to make us crackheads. Like, come on, son. How the fuck do we have all these dudes, these young black dudes and old black dudes and young black men and young white men and young yellow men and old white men and old yellow men in prison for nonviolent fucking crimes for selling and smoking weed when it's legalized recreationally in like 13 or 14 states now? How the fuck are these people sitting in prison? Like, there's so many questions and it all starts from the education system. That's where I bring it back to because like, realistically, it's like, I, I don't understand why, how can a child pick the career that they're going to work in for the rest of their life as an 18 year old child? They've never experienced it. Apprentice, 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 apprentice. That's the only model that's ever worked in history. The apprenticeship model where it's like, come work here for three months. See what, what, what being a trainer is like. Come work here for three months. See what being a doctor is like. Come work here for three months. See what being a fucking dominatrix is like. Whatever the fuck you want to be. Be be great at it. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, be fucking great. If you're going to be a dominatrix, be the best fucking dominatrix. You're going to be a cross-dressing promo- uh, like performer, be a cross-dressing performer. You want to be a boxer, be the best fucking boxer. You want to be a trainer, be the best trainer. But, like, learn the fucking rope. See if that's really what you want to do. and that's and that and that and and that leads to speaking you know finding and speaking your truth and and i and i'll say having 15 years experience in education and being a classroom teacher and being a high school coach i i don't want to say i've seen it all but i've seen it all and i've experienced a lot uh, other than the times that we're living in which no one has seen and we're all seeing it for the first time. I think there's a lot of people that would stand by your side for tearing the entire thing down and ripping and building it back up. Uh, I believe there's a lot of people that would stand by your side and coming from the perspective of being on the inside for so long, it gave me the motivation to, to write my book because I, I know that we have beautiful people inside those walls. I do. And the system itself is breaking their heart and it's breaking their spirit and they aren't telling their full truth. And if we can inspire, challenge and teach our educators or develop our educators personally and allow them to rediscover their truth, then we have a chance to make those interconnections because it's a lot more efficient to build people up than it would be, which, again, I know there's a lot of people that would stand with you, and I get it. Believe me, I get it. Believe me, I get it. Yeah, and that, and and anyone that, and uh, and friends and family that are doing that now, I'm fully supportive, and and my wife and I, Kelly and I, have had that conversation extensively because it just makes sense for us. And she's in education. Uh, she's wildly bright and wildly passionate, passionate about it. And knowing that we can impact our educators, it will bring immediate impact to our kids. So we can get back to, or I should say start, I don't know if there was ever a time when we were, develop are people that are developing our kids. And when we can make that our foundation, when we can make personal development, true personal development, not PD days as they stand now, where oftentimes community members, board members, the state is pushing down an agenda that's shoved into the teachers. So on these personal development days, on these half days where the kids are out, it's typically a catch-up day. Or it's typically, uh, you got to get this done day. And it doesn't do anything for our kids. And it definitely doesn't do anything for our educators. So when we can get to a space where we're personally developing, you know, and you've traveled extensively, you know, lived in Costa Rica and, 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 and you've built communities. I mean, you've changed the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that were living and sleeping on the street. And you've given them home and you've given them plate, you've given them food and you've given them direction. And you've given them confidence. You've given them faith and you've, so you've saved the hundreds of children's lives. And in part, at some point, someone saved yours. Someone said to you, 
something that brought something out of you that you were able to instill in somebody else. And when we can develop our teachers and make that our focus, make that our point of education, doesn't need to be the month, it doesn't need to be the first period through the night, but it needs to be part of our ecosystem, which it is it now. And that's the basis of my book. And, and, and I believe if we can take that perspective as a, as a community, as a society, that we have to pour into the development of our educators, then we can start, to, then they'll start to change our kids. I think there's a big shift happening right now where like people are being exposed to like homeschooling and shit. And like, yes. dude, if you're a great educator, um, I mean, all right, you, you're going to have educators listening to this, right? Like, yeah. So I, I, I I'd like to so. speak, I'd like to speak into them because I have an idea um, that that's what I am. I, in a lot of ways, I'm just like a conduit for like ideas. They just come through me. And some of them I use some of them, a lot of them I give away. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't want a million different businesses, but if you're an educator, how much do educators make? It depends where you are. So it's certainly going to be dictated across the country. Like, I don't know, like whatever. Like, so your, so your highest end, so your highest end classroom teacher can make anywhere from 150,000 in your, one of your higher end, um, school districts and outside, you know, across the country, you, you know, you, there might be teachers making us, you know, 45 to 50,000. Okay, perfect. So 150,000 to 45 and 50,000, let's say, let's say they're making 80,000 on average, right? Cause the 150 are the outliers that live in like the really rich places and, and so on and so forth. Right. So let's say it's 80,000, 80,000 divided by 12. Like we're looking at how much they need to be making monthly, right? Like that's the nut that they have to fill. Um, so 80,000 divided by 12, where are you at? Like six and a half thousand, maybe a little bit less than six and a half K. Um, gross, gross. The reason why I'm saying gross is because when they're a business owner, they don't pay as much taxes. That's kind of how it works. So, but let's say, let's say at 6,000, let's say 6,500, right? There's a lot of people out there that pay Waldorf uh, fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars every month, uh, up to up to five six thousand dollars every month, depending on the state that you live in, right? Per child, uh, Waldorf keeps probably around ten to twelve kids per classroom, right? So you're looking at twelve kids. Like uh, any, like I, I'm I, I'm a teacher. I'm an educator, right? Like I can handle groups of. 40 to 50 kids comfortably uh, with an assistant. Uh, but let's say we don't go that far. Let's say we go six kids. Let's say we go seven kids. You get each parent to pay you $1,000 a month for their education. You get seven children and you fucking educate them for six to eight hours a day. There's your work day. There's your seven grand. Now you're, you're, you're like, you're blessing these kids' lives. We're in inner city schools, 32 to 35 plus kids per class. One teacher, no assistant. Get the fuck out of here. I don't give a fuck what system you're teaching from. Those kids are going to be retarded. Like they are not getting anything from the stream. They're the freaks. Like the ones that are going to make it are the ones that you would put in the fucking closet and they would have made it anyway. Like, they, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, like what the fuck are they learning? Like, 
All right, if there's educators listening to this, start this fucking business tomorrow. You can literally give out flyers, offer a free month of classes, free, free month of classes. Tell them you have a limit of 12 children because you could be making 12 grand a month. 12 grand a month, that's 144 grand. Almost net. You have almost no expenses. You can run that class in your house. 12 grand a month being an educator. That's 144 grand. Like you, that's it. You don't need a lot of people. You just need a few people paying you a moderate amount. If you're in a rich area, you could be charging up to two, three, four thousand dollars per child. Now at four thousand dollars per child, you're at 24 grand a month. 24 grand a month is nothing to fucking shake your dick at if you're making fucking six grand a month. Gross. So educators, lit like there, there might be some gold. I don't know. But like, if you try this, you're, you're going to do it. Like it's going to happen. I know tons of single moms. I know tons of people that are always looking for some sort of educator to fucking help them with their kids. And it's like, come on, lead generation. You need 12 kids. You could do that with like your eyes closed. Just tell a bunch of people on your Facebook, instead of telling them about who they shouldn't vote for, tell them about what you're offering the world and share your love with the world. If you're a great educator, educate. And you could take that money and reinvest it into new education systems that you can learn. Waldorf, um, Rye, you can learn tons of shit. They have fucking uh, certification classes, anything, wilderness, CPR. You can learn anything. You could be super teacher in one year. One year, you could be fucking super teacher. They would give you a symbol on your chest. <laughs> All right, that's my rant, bro. You know, so so what's happening now is that people are forming what's called pods, and those pods are being created in people's garages. Those pods are being created in people's basements. Those pods are being created. I've actually seen pods created in storage units where people are using old storage units, putting it on their property, and they're doing and they're bringing these pods together in their neighborhood, and they're paying educators five hundred to $1,000 a month, putting all the kids together, putting the classroom in those storage units and parents are going to work. There's one, there's one teacher for eight kids and people are off and running. Uh, that's happening now. The, and, yeah. and what's, um, so the shift will come from our, edu our educators that are graduating, our, our folks that aren't going to be able to find jobs that are ready to go and they're going to run pop-up schools. And that's the shift that's happening now. It's happening right now. And that is the gold. In Rome, it isn't, it isn't just disruptive, it, it's transformative and it's and it's necessary. So and necessary. and it's super necessary. And it's and it's right. Thank you, and COVID. It's right. Thank you, fucking COVID. Thank yes. you. Like yes. all these people are like, this has been my hardest year. Just wait, just wait what comes out of this year. We've literally advanced hundreds of years as a human species <laughs> in, these, in this last year. Like people don't understand like what kind of things come out of the crucible when you put in like the human fucking the mold and like what happens. Like some of you motherfuckers aren't going to come out because you're not built for that shit. But the ones that are going to come out, you're going to be diamonds. If you can come out of this shit this year looking like a fucking diamond, like, oh, my goodness. Like, 
you're you're ready. You're ready for the next evolution. You know what I mean? You're graduating into college or high school, whatever the fuck this is on the humanities spectrum. Like it feels like we're graduating. It's like it, yes. it feels like we're graduating. Like, but you gotta have some schoolyard fights, you gotta be turned down, you gotta have your prom. Like, there's gonna be like processes, you know, and like fuck, I love it. I fucking this has been my best year yet, bro. The most struggles I've ever had in a short amount of time. And holy shit, bro. I found out what was inside. You know, they say uh, you squeeze a, you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. You squeeze a human, you see what's inside. So I'm so blessed. I am so blessed that I had the, I had the experience of being squeezed. Bro, what was it like as a kid for you growing up? My parents probably had, a, I think they had a PhD in parenting. I do. My dad and mom both grew up in the Bronx. My dad grew up in the South Bronx in a really rough area. And my mom grew up in the Bronx in a nice area. And when they decided to move, my mom wanted to move up the tracks a little bit, if you would. And my dad said, no, we're going to the suburbs. And that was unheard of. There weren't black families in the suburbs. It just that just didn't happen. And my dad bought a home in an incredible town in Westchester County in New York. And we lived on a dead end block uh, with a, with a brook in the back and an incredible house. And in my dad's, when we moved in, my dad didn't know anyone, he didn't know any neighbors. And I had somebody just ride their bike down the street and introduce themselves. And you know, that opened up my dad to, to people. Uh, my mom was always loving and, and caring, uh, but at the same time aware of her surroundings. And then as I walked into the school systems, I, I was met with, I, I, would, I was met um, with open arms and in part because I was athletic and I was able to bring some value in that space and by and large um, just had really incredible people. And my parents found a way to keep me balanced. And I think this was part of their PhD where I still had family in the Bronx. So I would live, I lived in the suburbs and I would spend every weekend in the city, uh, whether it was Sunday dinners, whether it was church in the morning at eight, nine o'clock and Sunday dinners and walking the streets and being in Brooklyn and being in Fordham road and walking off the grand concourse. And, and, and that was my life. And then we would leave. And I would go back to the suburbs. So it gave me the ability to carve out an understanding of the world. So I didn't live in a bubble the entire time. And every year, my family, my pop, my papa would put us on a plane and we'd fly to Barbados to see our family. And we'd spend time with our family and traveling was super important to my Nana. And so we'd get out to London and various parts of the country. And and then various parts of the world that when sports took over in high school, everything changed and things started changing for me because I started losing those experiences as far as travel, but I started gaining them as far as relationships and commitment. And then through college, it was more or less a, a, a lot of the same, if you would. And once I walked into college, I realized why that PhD in parenting was so important because I was, I would say, respected and, and loved and, and I have such admiration for where 
I was from and once I went to college, none of it mattered because I was I was just I was just a black kid. And when I started when I started reflecting back because because everything was so beautiful, you know, you forget those pitfalls and you forget those potholes that you went through. And when I went to college, that's where it started flooding. And then with the murder of George Floyd, everything started resurfacing. Every one of the trials, because again, I had such a beautiful experience, but it was suppressed. All the pain was suppressed. And one of the first times that I realized when I, when I got to college that I was different was when I was walking with a group of my friends. And uh, I was walking into I was walking into a um, I was walking into a club and I was grabbed from behind and um, I was grabbed from behind and a police officer came behind the door and he broke my two front teeth with a flashlight and he said that um, I'm resisting arrest and um, I'm under arrest for for resisting arrest and my parents you know I made a call and my dad. Um, not only had the knowledge and not only had the knowledge, but he also had the resources. Um, and that experience, that experience was a way that experience, um, that experience didn't even exist. It was, it was vanished that fast. Um, because again, because my dad had, had, a, had the knowledge and the IQ and he had the resources to make it vanish. And w- when that experience took place, I started realizing all of the little pitfalls and the potholes that my parents had just gotten me through because of the way that they raised me. You know, I remember when from that experience, I was reflecting and I remember when we were pulled over and I was driving back from fishing with my dad and we were down in the Bronx and you can go out uh, in the sound for the day and we're driving home and we're pulled over and he puts his license and registration. I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. And I was reflecting back at this after this, my first experience of being profiled. He put his license and registration and he put his keys up on the dash and he put down the windows and made sure the internal light was on. It was maybe around five or six o'clock. And, and the police officer comes over to the door and he says, may I have your license and registration? He says, no, the police officer comes over to the door and he says, open the console. And my dad opens the console. And he says, open the glove box. And my dad says, when I open the glove box, you're going to see my gun. And he has his hands up on the wheel. He says, when I open that glove box, you're going to see my gun. And he said it to him three times. And he said, I'm a cop. So I carry my gun with me. So when I open that, and he said it with such purpose and such calm, because my dad knew the hate that was in the world. He understood it. Being a police officer didn't didn't change how he how he approached white men in authority even though he was a cop an award-winning black cop and I have stories on top of stories on when I didn't get a pass and how I didn't get a free pass and the difference between me and maybe anybody else as I've already reflected is grace and and faith, but also because of my parents and the way that they raised me and put, I would say, true love in my heart and my spirit, that even from the first and not the only experience, my mom said, people are good. She said, you know, people are good. And, and no matter what, 
there you go we're going to see bad people but understand that people are good and you don't need to hate all people because of the ones that aren't and and my mom's just spoke that into my spirit and and my and my dad supported that so i you know i really say that you know they had they I, I give them a phd in parenting for my sister and i and and they were able to make sure they 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 made sure that regardless of the the situations and the stories that I have to tell that no matter what it didn't harden my heart and, and I'm, I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm eternally grateful to them for that and, and for all of all of the experiences that they've given me um, just because of the town that we moved in and the athletics that we were able to be a part of and the accomplishments uh, it's really life altering and changing man. Sounds like your dad was a wise, very wise and disciplined man. That discipline, yeah. like you can hear it in the way that he presented the, uh, that the pistol was in the glove box, like yeah. very, very disciplined because once yeah. that fight or flight turns on for homeboy outside the car, <laughs> there's, yeah, a yeah. there's a fucking problem. Yeah, you don't know, yeah. fuck if you're a cop, if you're not, yeah, not a cop, that's right. that's you're just right. a black dude in a car, right? A big, a big, big. huge, <laughs> strong, he was a big powerful dude. monster. Rome. You know, you know, I, I always laugh, you know, all my cousins and uncles always call me little Robbie. And, you know, we've, we've been at events together and we've traveled together and, um, you know, I'm not I mean, really I've, that I've met, I've met some of your fucking yes. family, bro. Yes. Yes. We were in yes. Atlanta, bro. Yes, you're right. You're I, right. I, I yeah. vibed with, yeah. uh, oh, man. What, my Uncle Rick, my Uncle Rick. Uncle Rick is a big boy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Rick is a big boy. <laughs> right. So my dad was bigger than him. So, yeah, you know, and you, yeah, you met, yeah, we, we had, we were at an event and, and, and went to, um, Went to a basketball game. And, that was my and we first went... basketball game ever. <laughs> oh, that's a special way to take it in. We had the private box. We had and, the box. And yeah, we had the private box for the game. And yeah, we had a, that, that's a special way to take in your first game. But yeah, you met Uncle Rick and, and uh, my cousin Mimi. And yeah, so, so yeah, good, so you know firsthand. Thank you. people, man. Like straight, I, got, I, did, I dug them, bro. <laughs> yeah yeah no i appreciate it but yeah that's and my dad was the oldest and he was bigger than my uncle rick so you know they always laugh and call me little robbie for a reason and you know i'm 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 again i'm not a little guy but it's all comparative compa bro comparatively it's oh all comparative bro. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> to me, to me you're big you're big uh, robbie bro to the <laughs> and i'm a midget man i'm nothing you know <laughs> I'm nothing compared to I'm uh, compared to the rest of my family for sure. I'm the I'm the smallest. What was it like? What was the first thing that you fell in love with? The first thing I fell, you know, I Think would I would person, like yeah, experience I, process working out. It, it was just so it was so effortless and fluent to me. How did you know? Because, How did you know you were in like love with it? Like, what was the moment where it was just like this is my shit? The results. So growing up, I loved Walter Payton. And after that first year of playing sports and getting our teeth kicked in, I didn't know anything about training. I didn't know anything about working out, but I knew it was never going to happen again. And we went 0-6. We didn't even score. We Not only did we not score a touchdown, Rome, we didn't even have a first down, you know. And, and you know, that's 10 yards. You know, our offense couldn't get 10 yards. That's how bad we were. And, 
And I just started running and Walter Payton was my athletic idol and he ran hills and he ran hills and he ran hills. He ran hills in the heat. He ran hills in the sand. And I just followed his training based on what I saw in videos. And I did it on blind faith. And the next year, the next year of playing sports, we went undefeated and we dominated. And my dad was so proud. My mom, my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, knuckle, everyone was so happy. I said, um, I will never not be, I will always be in shape. I will always be strong. And it, and it was the perfect mesh of training and achievement at the same time. It was the achievement that led to the love and the passion. I'd say that was the moment, seeing my parents' face at the end of the year and winning a trophy, seeing their joy that it brought to my family for my sister. I'm like, how can I not do this? I'd be selfish not to prepare as hard as I physically can to bring them this level of joy. So I'd say that was the moment seeing it, having, putting in the work physically, seeing the work pay off and achieving what I really wanted was just them happy. That was the moment that I knew I would always be ready. Well, how did you know teaching was the thing? Like, did you wait, did you go to college and get like a degree in teaching? Yeah, so I graduated with double major psych and psych and sociology, and 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 uh, certainly a deep desire to play football, and and had opportunities to play after. and And my dad had said once once I wasn't going to play football anymore, he said, "Why don't you, why don't you sub? You know, why don't you go into a school and become a substitute?" And I got out at two thirty, and the day was over, and I was. I could go fish or, or, or go in the weight room or do whatever. I said, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and so that, uh, at that point I went back and I, and I went and uh, went back to, I went to grad school and picked up um, my grip, my masters in, in, in science. And, uh, and then from there um, got my first job in Westchester County when everybody said it would never happen. So that that's what led me into teaching in large part because I I do have a deep-seated passion for children. I have a deep-seated passion to give back. But it also allowed me to do the other things that I loved, which is training. It, it had a set schedule. I could, I'm out at 2.30 on a regular day. I, I could train athletes. I could be on an athletic field by 3 o'clock. And I can train groups of athletes. And then I could go home. <laughs> sign me up so I'm doing two things that I love it just was so it just seemed it was just so um, gosh so perfect it was I love it that sounds incredible bro that sounds it was, incredible it was, it was a perfect mesh you know people were going home and I was going to the field you know I was going to train I had athletes to work with I had people wanting to get better, wanting to get stronger, wanting to get faster, wanting to pay for college. You know, parents that were paying and, and really betting on my programming for college. Yeah, for scholarships. Yeah, exactly. Investing in, 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 in us as, as trainer and athlete. You know, that 
I'll, I'll never, I never took that for granted. And I still don't. I never took that lightly. I, I just, I never, I never looked at that as another thing to do or oh, a job, a job. Like you're paying me to do you get this. To, like, you get to, you don't I have to. to do you're not I get to, to do this. get to do it. get to do this. I get to. And I you're paying me. Next to you. And you're paying, like, that's, that was so like we're gonna run hills together and we're gonna and i'm gonna get paid doing this now like hell yeah what? <laughs> you know like we're gonna eat together we're gonna drink this water together like we're gonna grind together we're gonna we're gonna be in the, like and we're like what and in three years i'm we are going to stand as a family and sign your letter of intent just such a privilege Honestly, Rome, it just, and I certainly have athletes that, that are still in my programming now, not to the scale that I had at that point, um, because I, we scaled very fast uh, over the summer, working with over 100 athletes, all the co top college guys in the area would come home and train with me. Um, so we scaled super fast. Is that the and I, now age I, that you I, work with? Yeah, yeah, I, for sure. You know, I, I, my wheelhouse, my wheelhouse is, and I've expanded it now. If you were to ask me a decade ago, I could never have a conversation with, I could never have a conversation with somebody that wasn't an athlete. I just couldn't. I didn't have anything for them. No, I mean like and, ages, ages. I mean like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so when I was, and when I was, yeah, when I first started out, it was middle school. It was high school to college. That was, that was, that was it. That was the only age I worked with. And now I've evolved and I've gotten smarter and, and, and certainly um, I, I have a deeper desire to, to feed. And I do use that word specifically, um, the spirits and the minds of people. Um, so now, you know, I've expanded it and do more consulting athletically on that side um, to help people. But I still do have that core group of athletes at high school to college age that I work with on a much smaller and private scale. I love it. I love it. I have so many ideas, bro, that are like pulsing through my head. Like you don't even, like, it's crazy. Like you're like, like things are just firing. We'll, we'll talk after this. I have like yeah. some crazy fucking ideas, bro. Yeah, there, sure. I, I, I'm very familiar with like similar models and I followed similar models. Like it, bro, like it's <laughs> crazy. And, I, and yeah, so Rome, and I'll say, you know, you know, now, and that was really the quest. And that's where our path started to cross because I love education. I love education. Honestly, Rome, I love teachers. And walking into a school building every year, every day, under the leadership that I had, it was the perfect mesh. And when and when our principal, Mr. Longobardi, was preparing for retirement, he insulated us and he kept us, he kept all of the noise away from us, mm -hmm. all of that top down from the state, all of the in outside from the board of education, all of the push from the superintendent, he kept it away from us. And I remember the first time when he hired me and he asked me, he, he asked me what I want to do. And I explained, you know, I, I said, I can create a curriculum. And he said, go do it. Rome, I ran out of his office so fast. And he's like, no, 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 come back. I was like, I'll, I'll do it. I got it. Like I fucking love him, bro. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you if I need any help. Like, yeah, like you're giving me the keys to the kingdom to go, go be creative. Done, you know, done. You will never hear from me again. Yeah, you're an and artist, this, bro. 
and he and and he didn't for for twelve for thirteen years. He didn't hear a boo. He didn't hear a complaint. He he would walk up just to knock to be like, "You still work here?" You know, and it and and because he he recognized he was such an incredible leader, he knew how to influence me. And I talked about the model. He allowed me to find significance through education and I will create it and I will not because my second need is certainly love and connection. Like you will not let, I will not fall short knowing and he knew what my need was. And I knew once he started to leave that things were going to change. And that's where our path started to cross where I started bringing in mentorship and, and, and connecting with people on a higher level that can help fuel my passion for education, which I knew was leaving the classroom. And that's led to now, you know, building a firm, an educational consulting firm where I work with schools and I work on the personal development side and, and I bring programs and systems in place to help our educators and to help bring a system to help empower and develop our educators that are the front line of our kids. True personal development which doesn't exist right now systematically for our educators. That's what I'm bringing and that's what, you know, my team has created for our educational system. So I've been able to blend these two worlds of, per, of personal training, which I certainly have. And that's part of my book. And, you know, I, I, and I still have my, my clients that I train. I was running off the field when you, when, when I was on the phone, you're like, Rob, let's go. I was like, I know. And I was sprinting off the field with my guys. And, 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 and now, you know, the, the rest of my day, the morning and afternoon is, is built around consulting with schools, school districts and universities. And, and that's, that's how I'm filling my cup. And, and, and I would say really finding a way to, to create maximum impact for our schools. All right. So growing up, what are some of the cartoons that you like to watch? Smurfs. That was number one. Wow. I love this. I love the Smurfs. It was so fun. And then gummy bears. Wow. I, I just, I loved, I loved gummy bears. It was on a little bit early for me. I was a bit of a sleeper, um, you know, as a kid, you know, I was a huge eater, which I still am, but I, I was a bit of a sleeper. So gummy bears was on a little early but I could watch a Smurf marathon all day. And then it would close out with Voltron. Nice. So the, so those were the three for sure. I love it. Yeah. What is, it. what is your daily life look like now? Like what time do you go to bed? What time do you wake yeah. up? What are you eating? How much are you yeah. training? What are you doing for yeah. leisure activities? Yeah. So my, so right now I would say specifically for building a, building a consulting firm, you know, Rome, I'm in the tunnel. So I, I shut it down anywhere from 12 to 12:30, sometimes a little bit later, and I'm up I'm up by 5 and and um and and we're off and running. So now that school is kicked back into session, I'm driving our 15-year-old, he just turned 15 3 weeks ago, driving our 15-year-old to school about an hour away from us. Uh he's he's going to a great school, great private school. So I drop him off and then I'm in the midst of now looking for office space in, in uh, Connecticut where he's going to school. Um, so I'll spend my time and my day training 
and connecting and working on and within the firm throughout the day. After he's done with school, I'll grab him, get him to wherever he needs to be after, after he's done with sports or we'll head in. At that point, depending on the day, early in the week, I'll get a workout in. So I'll work out at the house, dinner, I'm plant-based. Um, so, you know, everything that we eat is either a single ingredient food or uh, straight from the earth. And then as much time, you know, Monday through Friday, which does get taxing at point at some points, but uh, you know, close that out with my other three kids. And then, and then just about get ready to shut it down. And I'll, and I'll put in about 20 minutes, 30 minutes of reading. That's, some point uh right you know right before i shut it down so that's really a monday through friday and then saturdays were a little bit closer as a family or a little bit tighter so kelly and i do our best to travel together to our kids events you know we have four kids and all four play sports you know we have three boys and a girl all three of our boys play lacrosse and um our two youngest are triathletes and crossfitters our daughter is a crossfitter and triathlete so depending upon where, what part of the country they're in and what state that they're in, uh, Kelly and I do our best to stay together and travel to all of their events together. So that's, that's the shape of, I would say, you know, my day and my week. And then nutritionally, we are, Kelly is completely aligned with this. We are really consistent what we're fueling and how we're fueling our body. So typically uh, my morning will start with one of these it's a 32 ounce uh green drink so i'll have that as soon as i wake up yep and this is my second because it's a little earlier in the week with recording on the podcast so i was able to get a workout in this morning beforehand it's actually election day um so i was at the polls super early and then as soon as then as soon as the um as soon as i was out hit a workout and got bear off the, then bear was you know was able to get him off to school from there, um, I'll have a 32 ounce green drink. The second that I wake up, that's the first thing that I put into my body. And from the time, from the last meal that I have, because the scheduling and the days are long, I'll go eight to 12 hours without food. So including the time that I slept and I'll, I'll extend that as, as long as 12, which does happen but no long, no shorter than eight. That will be the gap that I'll take for not eating. Um, and that allows my body to reset, allows my metabolism um, to work, uh, allows me to be functional, clear, and, and keep my energy, and certainly um, allows my body to do its work, do its job. And we can do a deep dive in nutrition. From there, uh, my first meal, I always travel with it. Um, I'll have a mixed green salad uh, during the week, Monday through Friday, travel with you know, fruit. So I like sliced, I like sliced apples, um, some type of bar typically that Kelly might make, or um, I do like Lara bars. And um, I absolutely love, um, you know, what our mutual friend has created, uh, Ed O'Keefe. Um, he's created a beautiful product called Wake Up Foods. So I'll throw one of his waffles in and I'll, and I'll have that. I'll snack on that. Um, I hate to use the word snack, but that'll be my nutritional piece uh, pretty much until I get home. 
Um, and then again, you know, we're plant-based and Kelly, I think last night we had, had a single ingredient pasta. Um, Barilla Plus makes a red lentil pasta. That's fantastic. It's strictly made from red lentils. Then we, then I had a side of uh, broccoli and spinach and pinto bean meatballs. So that was dinner last night. And that's, that's a fair example of, you know, of, of what my day uh, nutritionally would look like. What kind of house are you guys living in and where? Yeah. So we live in, we live in New York um, in a, in a, in a nice area. It's, it's a suburbs in Dutchess County. Um, so it's, if you were to compare, so you're out on the West coast. So it certainly wouldn't be, you know, it certainly wouldn't be close to, um, your property in Costa Rica, but you can, um, you, you, you can draw some comparisons. I, mean, I, I, love, I love upstate New York, bro. Like that's, yeah, that's one of my favorite places. Like I love the nature out there. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's tremendous. And it's been great for, it's been great for our family. And it's been, it was the right spot for them while they were super young. Our youngest now is eight. So, you know, now it's at a point where, you know, so much of what we do is south of where we live. So within a year, we'll be moving south and our kids will have to readjust and, you know, certainly not living to the city, but the property and scale um, will, will be a little bit different than what they're accustomed to now. Uh, because they have space um, in, you know, in the area that we live in, in uh, Dutchess County. It's, it's, it, you know, it's the original reason why. You, you live on like land now? Yeah. How yeah. much land? Is it like yeah, a big piece? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's over, it's over an acre or two, nice. you know, so it's, it's like so a football it's, field, it's, bro. Yeah. 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 So they have, they have, a, they have space to say the least. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, and it's, it's again, it's great. And it's the original reason why we moved up there. And it, it has given our family everything, everything that we've done from training to wiffle ball games to everything that we've done has happened in that space. I love it. Uh, and now as they're getting a little bit older, you know, we have to make our lives a little bit easier. So, you know, we're, we'll, we're, we're still in negotiations, figuring out how we can, find a find space that comp that that complements us as a family um, but i'm most likely expecting that we'll we'll scale down on the yard and you know keep the house nice and, and that'll be okay and our kids will make that adjustment so all right so this is like the imagination portion of the podcast yeah. so if you weren't uh, a teacher slash athletic trainer slash consultant slash author what would you be or who would you be that's interesting. And I've had that conversation with myself a few times. I don't know, Rome, if I would be doing anything different. You know, I, I've always wanted to create a life that gave me the flexibility and the ability to work out twice a day. And COVID, to your point, was such a gift because that's what I did. That's how I lived. I was home. I was up at five. I would work out. I would, I wrote a book during COVID. I would work out again and then it would be six o'clock. We'd be done with dinner. I was eating by 4.35 and we would have a movie 
on by seven and our kids were going to bed at a normal time. It, it was just, so to recreate that actual existence would, would definitely be the long-term goal. And I, and I would do it through having the ability to train and, and work with a small group of select athletes. But I can't imagine not impacting schools through now, I would say systems and programming. I, I just can't imagine not doing that. I, I just have such a passion for education. It, it really lights me up. It, it was just a matter of figuring out how to turn that light back on because being in the classroom, unfortunately, once our, edu- once, once our leadership left, Mr. Longobardi, it wasn't it anymore. And it wasn't the teaching, it was, it was the system that was pushing sure. down and, and, and that had to change. But Rome, I really gotta be honest, I, I, don't, I don't think I would be doing really that much, I don't think I'd be doing that much different. I love it. What is one thing you would love to upload into the minds of everyone in the world? Grit. What does that mean to you? Grit is having the ability to overcome your challenges and your fears. And so many people and so many of us have just given up or, and, and I do say give up even if you're existing. And I do say give up if you aren't challenging. I do say give up if you aren't chasing your dream. You know, at some point, you know, you, all of us have had a dream. We've all have had a vision for our life and that's our dream. And, and that's, that's the gift that we are given to have an idea, a clue about the life that we are meant to live. And some of us go for it and we, when we see it, and some of us are too afraid and, and settle and decide that this is gonna be just good enough. And I believe if we just had more grit, when we took some baby steps towards it, because so many folks that I've talked to and have mentored and the thousands and thousands of families that I've worked with over the course of my time, some of them have gone in Rome and they're living their dream. I mean, they are living it. It doesn't mean it's about, it doesn't mean they don't have challenges because they do, but I've been with some families that are living their dream and their kids are too. Again, it's not without challenges. And then I've been with some people that you can see the break in their eyes. No challenges is a nightmare, bro. Fuck that. Dreams always come with challenges. I was talking to my buddy and he's got a very successful company in the 10 figures. And he, he told me, he's like, listen, bro. He's like, when I, when I was younger, I was broke. And my only problem was I needed to make some money. And he's like, now I got money. And I got way more fucking problems. So mm-hmm. like that, it's not going to make your problems go away. Uh, yes. It'll just give you bigger problems. Yeah. <laughs> and if you got yeah, the grit, right. Maybe you can handle it. Uh, That's right. What is the one book that you see yourself recommend or you find yourself recommending over and over again throughout the years, giving as a gift or recommending? Yeah. I, you know, the, uh, so depending upon the person that I'm speaking with, um, I would just, I would just say, you know, you know, there's, there's a few um, depending upon some of the people that I'm speaking with um, for some people, it's the Bible. And it's, and it's knowing that that will touch their heart. And so many of us are spiritual and we aren't necessarily religious. So that wouldn't really work. Um, but for the folks that 
I, I that do connect with a higher power and do connect with the Lord. That is a space that I'll guide people to. And I think, no, I know that that has settled some people's heart to hear me say that because it, it gave them permission to be who they're meant to be outside of their mom and their dad telling them to listen to God. So I know that's, un, I know that's, un, I know that it's freed a number of people for sure. You know, recently Rome in the times that we're living in um, stamp by John Reynolds has just been a book that I've been stamped. pouring over and stamped. Yeah. Um, I've been pouring over and reading so many times because, you know, Jason Reynolds has just created something. Um, I think I said John, but Jason Reynolds has just created something so incredible, <laughs> something so incredible um, that I, I'm in awe of, of his ability to find his voice and share what we've gone through as people in this country, um, as black and brown people, and how we do have an opportunity as a society to, to rewrite, to change the futures of people, to make it right for everybody. Um, and Jason Reynolds has, has created a masterpiece in stance. Um, so, you know, that has been a book that I've been, that I've been guiding people to because it's just so necessary. It's just so necessary. What kind of music are you listening to now when you're training? Yeah. So it's interesting. So while I'm training, while I'm working out. Yeah. 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 Like what, what's the shit that gets you fucking like that gets you training? Yeah. So, so over the summer I ran a 50 mile race. It was, it was a, in a, it was a goal that I had in my mind and something that I put on paper and, and, and when COVID hit, I saw it as a time and as a gift to really be able to die and dial into my training. And during the course of running the race, the Oak Ridge 50, um, I didn't listen to anything and running 50 miles and quiet and peace really makes you connect with your resolve. And I've learned that and I've appreciated my voice, my own personal voice, you know, while training and knowing that my own voice is enough and, you know, taking on an event like that and knowing that your voice is enough, you can always fall back to it because it isn't going anywhere. Um, so I'd say that has become my number one source of strength while I'm training. And then when I do turn the music on, you know, for those, you know, for, for, for those workouts where I'm moving weights, uh, my kids have, my kids have pushed me into Drake uh, and they, 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 they love, um, they love, uh, everything about black and brown music, which makes me super excited. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have always been a biggie Nas, uh, Jay-Z guy beginning with Nas. Um, that's always been, you know, a, a cornerstone for me. And, you know, I'll probably never give up Eminem as well. Um, I'll probably never give that up. I got something for you, bro. Some just dropped like this week. Um, I have it in my playlist. It's called Armin. It's called Circus. Armin Circus. Uh, and he got a track with Meth. Um, and he shouts out all the East Coast legends. Um, and it's like, it's fucking fire, bro. It's like, like, like back in the 90s <laughs> shit. Like I heard let's it. Go. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was let's... hot, bro. It was hot. And it yeah. was like perfect for like today. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I, was bump, I was bumping it this morning on, on like my, my walk with my dog. People don't know what the fuck I'm listening to. <laughs> I'm just like bumping. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of hot shit out there right now. And like yeah. it's crazy because it's like we have access to like the best music ever. And like some of mm -hmm. the some of the most unaligned music ever at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it's perfect because like we all have a, like like. I grew up with hip hop. Like we didn't have nothing else. It was just hip hop. Mm. Like there was, like I didn't know any other music. Actually, I'm lying. I did listen to Linkin Park and Bush and <laughs> Limp Biscuit, but like that's okay. because of MTV, okay. bro. MTV, right. like I was right. the MTV generation. So right, yeah. So music was so music was such a cornerstone in my house growing up. Rome. It was so there were two camps. It was my mom. So when you drove with my mom, it was Luther Vandross. It was um, it was uh, Will Downing. Um, it was uh, Aretha Franklin. You know, it, you, we lived in that. We lived in that world. I I know I know soul music. Then when you rolled with my dad, it was Heavy D. You know, you know when you rolled with my dad, it was Prince. You know, when you roll my dad, it was James Brown. And and that was that was just in us. It wasn't even an option. There wasn't a weekend. Monday through Friday was Monday through Friday. There were two of us, so I can't say it was busy. But my parents, you know, my parents, you know, they had life and they worked and you know, they they did their thing. Uh, on Saturdays, my mom made breakfast. Sundays too, she Sundays sometimes she'd she'd buy something for us, but so every Saturday she made breakfast. Um, that's when the music was on. So it was always, you know, start off with Luther in the morning. And then my dad would be like, all right, all right. You know, and then it would be heavy D, you know, for the rest of the afternoon with, you know, with some mix of Prince and, you know, it was just, it was embedded in everything. And certainly, I mean, when I was younger, with my cousin, uh, we ro we rode so hard. We rode so hard. He grew up off the Grand Concourse in the Bronx, and we would get the. He would pick up the original mixtapes from DMX. He would pick up the original DJ Khaled. He would pick up that, the original. That's what I, I grew up with. He. Yeah. He would he would pick he would pick up the original DJ Clue. I mean, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was right out of the club. Pick right in. He would get the tape. Then, yeah, from then the, certainly from the, from the African or the Chinese yes, fucking dude. Yes, yes. That's where that's Spinning where everybody got the their shit. Everybody got the. Every, I, I remember. Everybody. I remember picking up. I was like, I must have been a. I must have been twelve, bro. And I was like, Mom, yeah. could you get? Because she used to work in the city, right? So my mom used to bring me back fucking uh, all the mixtapes, right? So be like, Mom, uh, I want Juvenile, the G Code. Uh, I want like DMX when hell is hot, like yeah. like. Uh, so I, I would write shit out and like yeah. she didn't speak English, bro. So like she would right. like show it to them. They didn't speak English, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it would be man, a hit, sometimes it wouldn't. It was you crazy. Know? Yeah. I man, it was so I can't tell you how, you know, I I knew, I knew Rome that that was connecting my connect my time with my cousin was connecting me to my soul. Because where I grew up, 
you know, where Rome, where I grew up, it was, I grew up with white kids and it just wasn't mainstream at that point. It was really, it was Biggie was really the first one on the East coast to break into white culture. So I knew listening to Rush and the Grateful Dead, like that wasn't it. Like that wasn't me, you know, like I knew that stuff. Being so connected to my cousin and being in the Bronx and city every weekend, it just spoke to my soul. So I just had, I had every, I had, I had every mixtape and uh, it, it was just it. It was just, it's just how we rolled. I, we rolled hard. We rolled, we were, we rolled hard. DJ Clue, Clue and not A. I mean, <laughs> we rolled. Yeah. I we mean, your hot so ninety-seven was, was oh, like I mean, like it. so many things came out of like that specific yes. space. Angie Martinez, like For I mean, sure. that was it. Like, like we didn't know anything else, and then it was one hundred seven five, and one hundred seven five after one hundred seven five, more or less after five six o'clock. But hot ninety-seven was the only outlet. The only outlet that was yeah. I that was it. There was no then choice. We got 105.1. Then remember. we got 105.1 for for a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 and you know, and then that was over. You know, and now it's you know, it, it's 107.5 in the morning, and I haven't turned the radio on in in five years. Yeah, Spotify, so, bro. Why? Like that shit killed yeah. fucking the radio. Fuck, I want to yeah. listen to your commercials for, bro. Right, right, commercials right. like, yeah. <laughs> and for five minutes, not like a not a minute. It would be these are four or five minute longest. commercials, yeah. long commercials. It, it, you know, it, it just didn't work. So, it, it, music, music has consistently been the epicenter of of so many memories and so much joy. And and when I train, and I'll tell you how odd it is now, when. When I work with younger high school kids, they don't even think about putting music on. They don't even consider it. They're, you know, I'm like, hey, where's the music? They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what? Like, they don't even, they're not even connected to putting music on until, until they, until a few, until we're in it, until a few sessions, until we're on the field. I played music. I'll tell you one of the staples. I would love to hear one of the kids in my class when I was, when I was, when I was, when I was um, in the classroom as a teacher, there was, I would say there was, it would be a rare occasion if kids walked into my room and music wasn't playing. It would be the rarest of a, set the tone. Set the tone of the fucking workout or whatever is to come. And and I'm saying to learn a lesson, a, 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 a lesson in school, like, we put music on and I, and I would, and I would always in between, in between periods, I would put the, I would put the music on because you come in and you hear music and then all of a sudden it's just a different internal. It's a, it's a you got a transition. Cause you, you're yes. not the same motherfucker that was in the hallway coming yes. into sitting down. Like yes. you have to be different. There needs to be a transition, yes. like, like yes. a rite of passage almost, yes. you know, like yes. man or whatever, you know, yes. like same. Yes. So while they would go through their do now, the music would be playing and people would say, oh, it's so distracting. I'm like, do they look distracted? You know, like, and as soon as they're done, some kids would jump up and dance or some kids would just kind of bebop in their, you know, they, they hit the two step on, the, on, you know, in their seat. And I'm like, this is, this is how, 
this is the right way to live. This is the right way to move. To learn. You know, this is the right way to experience. This is the right way to learn. Hell and then yeah. once the official lesson went on, yes, I would turn the music off. But it would never, it would hurt, I would turn it down. But it would never be off out of their spirit and out of their mind ever. Because I knew that I had to give them more. I had to give them more than what I'm putting on the board if they're really going to learn. Because I may love this passion. I might be passionate about reading. I might be passionate about science. I might be passionate about... They might not be. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I have to give them something else to walk out of this room with before the bell rings. You want to connect so to can, more shit. Yeah, like it so, needs more exactly. connection. So if they can learn a musical artist from me, and if that's the thing that they remember, I'll take it. If they remember a story that I told because a song came on, I'll take it. Yes, eventually they're going to remember their vocabulary words. They're going to remember the, the, the phrases. They're going to remember igneous rocks. Yes, because they have to. But at the end of the day, once they leave this building, I want them to remember those stories. I want them to remember that feeling. I want them yeah. to remember that joy. Yeah. I, and I the can't connection. I. I, that connection, I can't give that through, I might not be able to give that to that kid through what I'm teaching them. Yeah. Because they just might not really vibe with that. Them anyway. Because <laughs> that, that, that's the fucking reality. If, if until once again, I had, I had an incredible leader. So he gave me that rope. So it was, it was super easy to fight through the snow and to be there late and to get there early. It was really easy because he just fed my spirit. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, Once, most teachers don't have that shit, you know? No, no, no. That No, I don't know anybody that does. I'm simply, I know that our building was special. I know that our building was unique and, and it isn't the only one, but it, it isn't enough for sure. It, 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 sure. Isn't, it isn't enough. But, but that's how big music if, is. Yeah. If you were to get an ice cream combo made specifically for you, custom design, what what would it what would it be made out of? Like, what would it be? So, so I found so much joy in ice cream again um, because you know we walked away from dairy and and so now um, we've been able to create uh, nice cream. So with frozen bananas, blueberries, and. Kelly will also put um, honey and um, nuts in there. And, and honestly, that with the cable that, that, that we have, which is a smoothie bowl, Roma, I'll tell you, that is, I love it. I, have, I, have you ever I, tried I, putting avocados in your nice cream? We, we do. We do. She'll, she'll add avocados as well with coconut. It's I love it. I, I really do. So that that's really my secret. That's that would really be my go-to. Frozen bananas, blue, frozen bananas, blueberry, coconut, with with uh, with honey, and it's 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 magical. I I I I can legitimately say I really love it. I love it. If you were a food, what kind of food would you be? I, I've always connected. I've always connected. I've always stayed connected to my roots. Um, so I, I really do love fish. You know, I, I love fish and I love vegetables. And, you know, I, I've grown up with that and, um, and I still love grits, <laughs> you know? So you know, 
I don't I don't know if I can really um I don't know if I can really give those up. But I would say at the end of the day, the biggest adjustment has been pancakes. You know, putting um, you know, making sure that I have um a way to have pancakes that I that I just love. And and Rome, I will say, probably my kryptonite are French fries. You know, I I love I love French fries, but pancakes would be my number one. I've stayed connected to my fish and my fish and vegetables um, just culturally. Um, but I do love pancakes and French fries. <laughs> if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? I got to fly. I got to fly. So I need to be the strongest, biggest bird out there. I need to fly. I need to, I need to see, I need to see what the world has to offer. Uh, I need to be, I need to be able to move swiftly. I need to be able to travel in a group, but have the strength to fly alone. So now imagine you're dying. What is your last meal? I love breakfast food. I do. So it, it would, it would, it would probably be my wife's pancakes. It would probably, it would probably be her pancakes and um, with, with bananas and, and our homemade syrup, um, our, our crispy fried bananas with homemade syrup and pancakes, that would, that would be my go-to. With a I love it. Small topping of blueberries. Just Hell delicious, yeah. man. Just delicious. So your last experience, who are you going to have it with? How long is it going to be? How It could be as long as you want, as short as you want. Like, what is the last thing that you want to experience before you, like, I'm ready? If if I knew, if I had that exact you knew. You knew. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be my, my, my family on a boat. It would be my family on a boat and it would be us fishing and my wife making a meal. That would be, that would absolutely be the, that would absolutely be it. I love um, it. See, seeing them swim, jump off a boat, seeing them just so happy on the water. And, you know, our, our, you know, Javon loves the water. You know, Bear has an appreciation for nice weather. And my daughter has appreciation for, um, for just experiences in general. And then Matthias is, is is so young, he finds joy in seeing the other three so happy. So I know that he would love it. Um, and, and and Kelly, as long as the water isn't too rocky and she doesn't get um, and she doesn't get seasick, um, she has a real appreciation for for the nice weather and water as well. I love it. La- uh, piece of, last piece of advice to the next generation: find your truth. And there's too much. There are too many times where we're told to get a job and we're told to get a major where we aren't told to create a mission. And when you create a mission for yourself, a mission to inspire women, a mission to inspire young high school girls, a mission to, ins- a mission to um, help our health, improve our healthcare system, having a mission to prove someone's hair, having a mission to bake pies and, create the greatest tasting pies, create a mission that fills your spirit. Your mission will lead to your passion and your passion will lead to your job and your profession. And we are doing it backwards and we're telling kids the wrong thing. And we're wondering why they're going and we wonder, we are wondering why they're going left so fast and feeling so unfulfilled. So my, my plea and my quest would be to, to create a mission for yourself, know what problem you want to solve, identify it and just chase it. And from there, you're going to find your passion 
and fuel your passion with your mission. And while you're doing that, you might have to get a job that you don't like or that you want to do forever, but it's easier to do when you're fueling and building your mission. And then your mission is going to make way for your, for your career. Last line or the line that's written on your tombstone. All in. Balls all deep, in. baby. All in. <laughs> yeah. Just all in, you know, all in, all in, all in for my family, you know, all in on my health, all in on my mission, you know, all in, all in on my dreams, all in on helping people achieve their dreams, you know, all in on being the best I can be right now for you. You know, I'm all in. If, if people I think can reflect on me and hopefully be inspired and um, not just inspired, but really enlightened, empowered to take imperfect action while they're doing that, then I, I probably did my job. For sure. Thank you, bro. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking your time out for, for showing up. Thank you for being you, bro. I, I appreciate you more than you can imagine. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch that you'd like to touch on? Is there any questions that I didn't ask that you would have liked me to ask? Or is there something that you haven't shared that you'd like to share? COVID revealed to me that I need to make sure that I'm asking the right questions. And I felt so trapped and heartbroken over seniors losing their year and educators feeling so overwhelmed and stressed and, and breaking and writing my book to 12 things they wanted to teach you in high school but couldn't speaks to the hearts and the minds of personal development for educators. So as you're on your journeys and as you're out in space and as you're thinking about your kids, as we all are, uh, and we're all thinking about our kids and our families and our communities as, we, as we're going through our day, when you have an opportunity to, to embrace and pick up an educator, someone of influence over our families and over our kids, please do so. When you have a chance to pour into them, with a kind word or a thank you, please do so. And I and and the goal of writing my book is to be able to give a gift to educators so they can be the greatest form of themselves. And I and I truly believe I know and I've seen it firsthand and I've studied it long enough for nearly 20 years that when we get the best out of the folks that hold what we deemed to be the most precious thing, which is our kids and our families, um, we'll get the best out of our kids and, and we really will influence um, our society. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And whether you listen to this one episode or all of them, I want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends and thank you for the feedback. There's new shows posted a few times a week. So please subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy using the most because you don't want to miss some of these superstars I'll be having conversations with. And for the listeners that have been asking if I'm available for coaching or I do live events, the short answer to that question is yes. I have a few programs available and it just depends on what's the right fit for both of us. 
one-on-one, -on -one, small group study, and live events based on my methods for creating inner peace, freedom, and balance. The programs are going to be focused on wellness through all the tools that I've picked up in the last 15 years of flying around the world, learning, practicing, testing, and teaching. If that sounds aligned with what you are looking for, click on the link in the show notes and fill out an application. I'll talk to you guys soon. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast. <laughs>